episode of the tome show is brought to you by listeners like you thanks for using the tomes amazon and DD classics affiliate links hi i'm ed greenwood and you're listening to the tome welcome to the tome a DD news reviews and interviews show and i'm your tome host jeff greiner and I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, number 243, we've got a gaggle of golems, a mob of modrons, a ton of tarasks, a bevy of boulettes, <laughs> a, a full house of flumps, it will be a graveyard smash as we talk about this 5th edition monster mash, I mean monster manual. I may have purposely tried to pick all the hardest to pronounce D&D creatures in the monster manual. (laughs) (laughs) Tarasks and Bulets and or Bulets or however you wanted to do it. Yeah, we could just make it up. I usually go with the French pronunciation, but whatever. All right, so now to introduce you to our team. First up is our very own senior editor and secret bronze dragon, Jay, or, uh, Sam Dillon. I almost called you James Dillon. <laughs> Our secret senior editor whose name I cannot remember. <laughs> James, James Dillon. <laughs> Big secret. Hello, everyone. All right. Now, Sam over there is also one of the hosts of Behind the DM Screen, along with our next uh, guest and myself. The next guest is the illustrious master of Sly Flourish and an all-seeing beholder. It's Mike Shea. I always thought it was boulage. <laughs> well, you're just really wrong. What? <laughs> what? From the head seat of the round table, we are joined by a doppelganger in the form of a wear shark going by the names of James Intracaso. Woohoo! Go Team Fluff! Yeah! <laughs> and this is the team, along with myself and Tracy, that are looking at the five initial books launching the new edition. We're halfway through, so let's get into it. I hope you like the combo because you'll be hearing from them again, uh, what, two more times? Two more books, two more times. All right. Monster Manual. Start off as we should and as we do with full disclosure. I received uh, this book for free. I received it for free as well. I did as well. Sam paid and James paid, yes? Yeah. All right. Now I feel bad because I got two copies. (laughs) (laughs) You can send me yours because mine came from Amazon, not packaged very well, and the corners were totally dented in. I was going to actually hoping to to give mine away to somebody who's getting new into the game and say, hey, here's some encouragement. Go out and here's a free book. Go play D&D. I was kidding. That was my way of sneaking in the horrible Amazon packaging. The horrible Amazon packaging. Should we should we do a review of Amazon Amazon packaging before we do a review of the Monster Manual? How about sure, not? That's the most really bad. Review. <laughs> All right, so Monster Manual. Let's talk about. Uh, let's start off by talking about the the our favorite entries. What are some specific monsters in here that are done particularly well? Ooh, I stumped you. <laughs> I'll go first because I prepared. I knew that I was going to ask this question. I'll, I'll go. Oh, okay. Go My conids. My conids, really. Yeah. Yeah, I like them. They're, you know, for being a, a sort of, uh, I think I tweeted when I read, after I read the entry, I was like, wow, for, for, for a, uh, a non-vicious creature or a, or a non-dangerous creature, they sure are sinister looking and they sure do have some sinister things that they could do. Um, but the reason I like the entry is not necessarily that it's because they really did the way that it's written, it really does make them seem kind of alien, but they still seem kind of like just this fungus stuff. Mm-hmm. So I like that. They they hit a really nice balance for me, I, and I, I have liked my conids for a long time, and I was I was hoping they would have a good entry in this in this edition, and they really do. And I have totally not liked my conids for like ever, so 
I was well, not ever. super excited about it. <laughs> That's because you suck. But anyway. I'm looking at it. I'm like, really? Three pages on mushroom people? Yeah. Right. And one of them's a full splash page with no like actual information or stats. All right. Yeah, that's right. At least it's cool looking art. They deserve it. <laughs> All right. Anybody want to go next or should I go to give you a little bit more time? <clears throat> no. I'll go. All right. Mike, what's your favorite entry? I like the Lich. Awesome. I can check, I can check that <laughs> off my list. Liches are badass. Yeah. And, and the Lich, like... It sounds like from from Sam, the, he really likes the Myconids because of the story built around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the Lich, also, I feel like mechanically is just a badass. Yeah, yeah. Although, again, we'll have to see when it actually plays out. Because I always worry that, like, you know, the twentieth part is like, hey, look, another one of those guys dead. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> Although I really like the Lich's layer power. Um, yeah, so the Lich has legendary actions, it's got legendary resistance, and it's got layer, layer powers, which is much nicer than the earlier versions of the Lich that I saw, which were pretty uh, anemic. Yeah, but I like, the, I like the one layer power where he can like tether himself to, to one of his enemies, and then half the damage that he takes yeah. gets transferred over to, to one of the PCs. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and hit me with that disintegrate. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, so I like it. And the picture's cool. It's a red wizard of Thay, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he looks very red, red, red wizardy anyway. Yep. All right, Tracy, James? Uh, my favorite is the Gibbering Mouther. Okay. Um, and uh, it was, so a quick story, it was the first monster to kill a PC uh, in one of my uh, fifth edition games. Um, but that's not why I like it. I like it because it does have this really cool story about uh, being, you know, uh, it's being transformed into this thing, and then it starts to eat other things, which it absorbs into it, and it has this hunger, and I really like the aberrations, but I also like that it's a low-level creature with a lot of um, complex abilities, Uh, so it's kind of a good monster to throw at your PCs at a lower level if you want to be like, hey... Things are weird in D&D, and here's something that's really weird. Like, it turns the ground to jelly, and it has its its gibbering ability makes you, you know, go crazy and that kind of thing. Um, so uh, I'm a big fan of this monster. Right on. And it, it's got a rough attack, too. 5d6 for an attack. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that's where the uh, the critical damage Yeah, and criticals are awful. 10d6 <laughs> critical yeah. for, for a challenge 2 monster. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does spend a fair amount of the time missing because it only has plus two to hit. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's kind of a trade-off. Is it, when it hits, it hits big, but it doesn't hit off. Very good. Tracy, do you want to go, or, or shall I fill in for you? Uh, I So, mostly for the artwork, but also for the mechanics, the Scarecrow Okay. Uh, is pretty cool um, because it's a uh, Challenge 1 monster. But it has damage resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical weapons. Right. <laughs> so it's going to be just annoying. Um, <laughs> it sucks to be you. And it can terrify you. I think I'm going to do a whole campaign on these guys. <laughs> and very, t- very timely being October. Yeah, yeah. right. Good point. Um, and somebody on, on uh, Twitter pointed, wanted to point out the vampire as their favorite one. Any particular person on Twitter? That we should I, give credit to? I, freak, I freak you forget the person's name. Oh. On my head. <laughs> well, I was hoping. So I had, I had a list of three, and I was hoping that you guys would help me narrow it down, and only Mike helped me out. So I'm down to two. Uh, but I think I'm going to give my favorite entry uh, status to the Gith. Mm. Because it's, it's four cool monster stats, and you kind of get a little setting with it, you know? You're getting some story and setting yeah. and, and, and all that kind of stuff. You get a little little mini campaign built right into it, which is ironic because um, as we I'm sure we'll get into later, one of the things um, – and, and this may not be the most popular opinion. I think one of the things they maybe did too much of was background text. Mm. So, But we can get into that later. Can I just say for the record that I think you're high? <laughs> I, I figured that would be, I figured that would be the reaction, um, and, I, and I'm prepared for that. Uh, but okay. I but I think I stand by it. Shall we talk about it now? Since it came up, sure. Uh, well, so, can I can I say one thing about the gifts since you brought them up? Yes, you may. It's cool that they're even in this book. Yeah, 
Because this would very there's and there's a lot of monsters in here that you'd say you know that I'm surprised that's in a monster manual two or three not one yeah you know? or or it'd be a specific planner sort of right or, right it'd be part of the mm-hmm. astral you know the the astral plane but they've always been one of my favorites yeah so it's just great that they're in here since since uh, what was it uh, Spelljammer I think was my first experience with the Geth mm-hmm. um, but ever since then I've I've enjoyed them so. And they had a cool story. I really like the the whole um, you know a race that was enslaved by the the mind flayers back so long ago that that you know time is sort of forgotten, and then they broke away and had had a had a, um, a a schism, you know. Then they sort of evolved into two different creatures, although they're still basically the same thing, just with very different philosophies and ideas. So, anyway, yeah, no, I think they're cool. Um, all right, so so my my issue with with background text. Um, I feel like there's a pendulum, pendulum here, right? And 4th edition swayed way in the direction of we're not going to give you any information in background and story. Uh, and that way we can squeeze in tons and tons and tons of stat blocks. Uh, I feel like they have, rather than finding the moderate happy in between, they've swung all the way the other way. Um, and I've got, I've got probably significantly more background and story for a lot of creatures than I probably need. And I know that that there, the popular reaction to the Monster Manual right now is how awesome is it that we have all this stuff? And I don't disagree. I just feel like in some of them, we maybe didn't need quite so much of that stuff. Can can I make a some kind of a counterpoint? Yes. Besides you being high. Yes. Um, <laughs> so so one thing is I'm 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 kind of a crunchy mechanics dude. You know, so I, I tend to focus on the stat blocks because I, you know, how they're going to play out in my game is going to kind of come out on my game. So I, I generally don't, like, I haven't read a lot of the background text in here. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like it gets in the way because I feel like I got so many monsters in this book and so many stat blocks of the monsters. It's as, it's as many, I think, as was in the 4E monster manual. And so I don't I don't know that they would replace it. Like, I don't... Ah, uh, see, I, I think you may have... As many in- monster entries, but I don't think you have as many I, stat blocks. I, I did a I did a check on stat blocks specifically. Well, maybe I just did it on monsters. Yeah, see, I think you'd be hard pressed to, to tell a, me it's a ton of monsters, and and you can't really compare stat block to stat block because of the way the whole bounded accuracy thing works. Well, right, but but where it is interesting is that you know I could have I don't uh, need thirty eight orcs anymore. <laughs> well, I don't need thirty eight orcs of of a range of fifteen levels, but I could use a dozen orcs. Uh, of different, you know, abilities and and yeah. roles or whatever, you know, I mean, maybe not a dozen. That'd be a bit much, but uh, but there are some things that I feel like are missing, and that was actually the next question I wanted to ask: is is what is not in the book? You know, we've talked about what our favorite thing is, and I think there are some things that are not here, I, and some of them are fairly basic. Um, you know, it's not just I, I wish they'd have had that one monster, although there's some of those. But there's like uh, I have no bandits. You know, there's no stat. If I want to have have them just robbed on the on the road, the only thing I can have them robbed by are is goblins and orcs. Or uh, wait, that's not yeah, true. There's, there's a bandit stat block in the back of the book. Oh, is it? It's in that back in that <gasps> appendix thing, isn't it? You're right. Yeah. <laughs> bandit, bandit captain. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I'm totally wrong. <laughs> I knew that too going into it. Yeah, the other thing is, I mean, and that kind of gets again into the lore. If I would agree with you if that section wasn't there because yeah, I'm like, but, oh, I, I totally would want NPCs. Right, but that section is is I'm but that section is there and it's pretty good. That section, that appendix at the end is is just the we're going to give you nothing but stat blocks with no background just to fill in all those blanks. And you, you are completely right, and I forgot that that was there, and and I take everything back now. All of it, including the lore. Well, I still don't need three pages of Mykonids, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> the one, yeah, the one, the one area where I where I would say is like I actually wish it had more NPC stat blocks. Um, yeah. And I would sacrifice the 38 versions of metallic dragons that I'm never going to use. Yeah, and, the, and so let me go ahead. Let me let me actually let me let me address that thing about the Myconids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Here's giving you a hard though, time, Jeff. but okay. You, you might not like them, but let's say somebody's a new player to D and D, and they think, "What mushroom people? That's stupid." And then they read the three paragraphs of background, and they go, "Oh, no, no, I that totally get that." And, interesting, and, and the fact that. That I don't particularly like myconids uh, should not mean that they that they shouldn't be there, right? I completely understand that they can't make one hundred percent of the book one hundred percent 
awesome for 100% of the people. You know, they didn't design the book for Jeff Greiner. They designed the book for D&D players and some D&D players like some creatures that I may not be as fond of. And I'm completely right, willing but, to accept that. But I'm that. not I'm not just talking about them specifically. I only mentioned them because that's your you were that's you were poking at me. Yeah. But but I could say that about any entry. Like, Absolutely. I, mean, I, no, really, I agree. I really don't care about werewolves, but somebody who wants to know about what werewolves do, you know, oh. it, or jackal wears, you know. What do they do in the D&D universe? Mm. Or what are flumps and what do they do? And what are madrones and what do they do? You know, something madrones? that they were – the gith, your, your entry, the gith, okay? The gith were not in the first monster manual mm-hmm. uh, in, in AD&D. And so, you know, maybe somebody who's used to playing in that edition thinks that they should not be in the first monster manual. But maybe a new player – who sees it might say, oh, that's really interesting. I'll put those in the back of my mind for when my characters get up to a level where they might be challenged by that, you know? Absolutely, no. And and I will freely admit that I'm a complete hypocrite because two of my three favorite entries, I think, are ones that have like four pages of background text. You know, I I really (laughs) like the Gith and I really like the giant entries. And I'm not usually a big fan of giants, but the giant entry gives me like a whole setting. Uh, You know, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. and, And, you know... So yeah, I'm a, so I, I, I just, I'm a, I'm a I just did some quick research since we're continuing the, on this piece. So the uh, the new monster manual has uh, just shy of 450 individual monster stat blocks, and the 4e monster manual had 489. So it's not too so, far yeah, off. Not too far. You lost that a couple. Of, the, you ca- lost a couple versions of. You lost a couple versions of what Beholder and and yeah, like and seven kobolds, you know? <laughs> rats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are the sticky yeah. pot kobolds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the record, there are 30, 31 rat things in the Monster Manual. The 4E Monster in the 4E one. I actually, um, I want to I wanna dispute Mike Shea on oh. the Catholic Dragons. So, and Mike, you know, you know I'm a big Mike Shea fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, <laughs> here it comes. Uh, but uh, but I think there's two things about metallic dragons. The first is, as a big fan of Eberron, um, dragons don't have their normal uh, alignment restrictions in Eberron, and so you could end up very well crossing swords with any of these dragons. Um, but the the other thing is that I think about like war creation and stuff. Dragons are supposed to be these big ancient forces, and I think in a lot of worlds play a part at the beginning of the world and so it's cool to populate your world with creatures who were there at the beginning and if they were all evil and crappy then you know it's why is the world not totally evil and crappy too it's 15 pages There's yeah, 15 well, yeah. pages of metallic dragons. And, he, and and that means it's probably at least 30 pages of dragons in general and yet somehow 30, somehow we still don't have great worms back What's up with that? Oh, well, we, yeah, we do. Where's the great worm? Well, they're ancient. They no, just call them ancient no. dragons. We always had ancient. No, you're baked. <laughs> they're, they're CR 24. <laughs> it's a CR 24 ancient red dragon. That is their great worm. Um, I think they just shifted things around because I think the ancient dragon was a thing back in the second edition days. Man, you're going to make me get all my books out. I'm, I'm not going all the way upstairs. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I mean... <laughs> But I do agree. With, I think that, like, yeah, you're just supposed to think of ancient as great worms now. You know? Yeah. They're, they're, they're the same thing. Because what would a great worm be? Like CR30? Sure. And, yeah, and in, I mean, I'm, and again, I'm looking back at 4E, but I don't think they had great worms in 4E. No, either. they didn't. They didn't and have, it, and it, was had a, ancients, it was yeah. a big disappointment to me they didn't have it there, too. It was something yeah. missing. I think no, they're just, that's just their new name. It's, like, it's, you can call it a great worm. So the old school um, I'm seeing here, wormling, very young, young, juvenile, young adult, adult, mature adult, old, very old, ancient worm, great worm. Those were the, oh, okay. those are the breakdowns of different types of dragons originally. And by originally, I mean when I started. <laughs> they need well, to make it all exactly like it was when you started no and I recognize that there's probably way more different classifications there than necessary but to <laughs> me the great worm name was iconic and a, great, and a yeah. big deal for, for you know this isn't just a, a dragon this is a great freaking worm I'll, give you, you, I'll give you a great tip here's a Sly Flourish tip just call just it that call it yeah, that screw, <laughs> you. screw you I want it in my D&D <laughs> so Tracy yeah Tracy, what's your opinion on the Great Worm controversy? <laughs> <laughs> great Worm Gate. 
Hashtag Bear King. God. I'm starting hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> I love dragons. But we already know this. D&D should be dragons and dragons. Oh. There. <laughs> and that's why we need metallic dragons, because eventually people will get bored just with chromatic dragons. Blasphemy. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, especially now that we only have four age classifications for each. Come on, guys. I we find metallics. Need those metallics I find right. metallics to be be really great NPCs, though. Yeah, I know, but I don't need I don't need fifteen pages of them. Like, give me three variants. Give me like gold, silver, and bronze. I don't yeah, need brass. And if, if you didn't have know. if you didn't have the balance, then it would be cl- a clear gap that was missing. If you didn't have if you if you got X number of chromatics, you got to have the balance of the 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 metallics because it it. it they're trying to show that they're going back to the old way and we're going to have this and that and it's all going to match and it's going to balance and everything. Also, the copper dragon's my favorite. You can't cut him out like that. It's messed up. <laughs> Which is probably why, because they didn't want to hear people say stuff like that. All right, exactly. Yeah. Throw that in. But as we already pointed out, not all of us can get 100% of what we want 100%. I know. So, so yeah. anything else that's missing? Yes. Okay. What's missing, Trace? Women. Women, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, but this banshee entry, banshee entry is so uh, woman focused here. Which one? The banshee. banshee? Oh. Well, yeah, but and I, but, I, I may have written about that one. Yeah, and you were. <laughs> now I have to go look. Um, but no, just in general, like a lot of the times when uh, there was. There doesn't have to be a particular gender associated with the monster. The the image associated with it is usually seems to be male. Yeah. Like obviously, some of these it's hard to tell because, as they've talked about during the development of fifth edition, don't always know what a female blah is supposed to look like. Right. Uh, and then like, but it's still pretty limited on the like t- uh, traditionally female centered monsters mm-hmm. too. Even compared to, I think, former... Yeah, pretty much the only female monster, or only monsters that are depicted as female, that I recall, are the ones that are the sort of traditionally female monsters. Yeah, there's like a couple through there, but yeah, not not that, or a few, I don't know if it's just two, but... It's it's a limited number, really. Yeah, I don't know that I think you're wrong. Just think, trying to think back on. It. I mean, I'm obviously not going to flip through every single page. Yeah. Uh, but just thinking back on it, I don't remember seeing a lot of. This could have been male or female. It doesn't matter. And, and yeah, it's it's a little hard to even figure it out because there's so many that are not even. Well, right. Humanoid. I'm not going to tell you whether the uh, the Arcanoloth there that is male or female. But I I know it was something that I'll. Uh decent number of people in the community we're talking about so I figured you might as well bring it up yeah absolutely uh, Tracy do you want to talk about the Banshee a little bit because I think you actually had some really good points yeah so the um, the Banshee typically has always been traditionally a female mon- uh, female uh, entity I, I don't want to call it a monster in the, in the regular mythology because really all it is is it's the uh, it, it cries out when there there's been a death, so it knows something that maybe other people don't know, or it is about to be a death, depending. But in this one, they kind of they took it from a creature that has like this sort of uh, you know knowledge beforehand, or or just that most of the humans wouldn't have, and made it into something that covets beautiful items. It was a a beautiful female elf who didn't use her uh, gifts. To, to bring joy to the world and instead uh, brought corruption or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like implies this thing that if you're a very beautiful elf that you owe it to the world to bring it joy, which kind of is like hard well, for me. Well, it's sort of, I guess, and, and, and my, my take on what they were aiming for was... Yeah, that's it, pretty it, awful. That first sentence. Banshees are undead remnants of elves who, blessed with great beauty, <laughs> fail to use their gift to bring joy to the world. Yep. What are they, uh, prostitutes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's pretty awful. Yeah, I think they were trying to go for the sort of traditional um, mythological sort of curse sort of feel and and just kind of botched the uh, description. I think, I think yeah, Jeff well, but, is right. They should get rid of the flavor text and replace this with a banshee dude. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> but part of it is that they did that. They've done that so often with some mm-hmm. of the female monsters, like the um, harpy in I think it's the starter set also covets beautiful things and like <laughs> collects them and stuff. And so, like that's the problem I have with it is that it, there's it just doesn't seem like there's a diversity in what what could be bad for female monsters to do other than not share their beauty with the world and kind yeah. of beautiful and there's, and there's no reason that, I mean, that may be the classic mythological reason or idea behind the harpy. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. It, but it's definitely not the classic mythology right. behind the banshee, so there's no reason to turn it into that. Correct. Um, if you've already got that going on. So, no, I get that. Well, yeah, and- not- the harpy started be- in this book. Be- like in this book, the the origin story behind the harpy is that she, I think, she loved somebody, like fell in love with somebody, and then started to cl- roaming the forest looking for him. Mm. Uh, and then just it became worse and worse. <laughs> sure. The Tao. She heard. She heard bird song. Good. Sorry, she heard bird song so pure and wholesome that she was moved to tears. She followed yeah. the music and found. A uh, handsome elf youth, elf elf youth, elf elf youth. <laughs> um, Did you say youth? What, what's a youth? Um, <laughs> yeah. So his divine, pre- yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, yeah. There's, it's it, there's like what there's- it's um banshees, hags, medusas, pixies. Mm-hmm. And somebody right. pointed out that the Medusa, it says in the text, can be male or female, but, yeah. But it's traditionally male or female. Yeah. And, and like, and, and just, we haven't really gotten to the, like, how we feel about this book. There's a lot I love about this book. Uh, mm-hmm. I love so much of the art. I love that the the deep story, the fact, like, um, Geeky Lindsay had pointed out that you can use uh, the monsters to help with your world building, all mm-hmm. that stuff, but... The sad part for me was the lack of female monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although Mike was about to point out the the Dow on one, page one forty three, which is uh, yeah. I mean, sometimes they've made an attempt, but not enough. But that that one I thought was a pretty great. Well, and, and and that could have been risky too because you're going to do a genie, which is Arabian, and you're going to do a female genie in an Arabian yeah, setting, right. and there's a long history there of depicting them a certain way, and yet somehow they didn't do a horrible job. It doesn't seem. Yeah. No, well, and the art's still been pretty good. I mean, yeah. they, even the harpy who's mostly naked, uh, it's not overly sexualized. Yeah. Sexualized. <laughs> I mean, that's attractive about that one. That Dow looks like she's gonna wail on me with that. Yeah, dryad. right. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That dryad I thought was uh, tastefully done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I thought it was interesting that they. Uh, this is the first monster manual where I've seen them put an incubus in in a while. Um, next to the succubus. (laughs) So it seems like they were thinking about, like, let's not have women be the only soul-sucking creature. Let's throw a man (laughs) in there as well. But then they sort of forgot about them everywhere. Yeah, it's like they made progress with some of the extreme examples, but then didn't quite quite take it down to the core. Anything else missing? Uh, um, Mike Shea isn't going to like this answer, but Hound Archons? Uh, I love Hmm. Hound Archons. Why would would that upset me? because oh, oh, they're a good creature. More good stuff. What did you say? You know what, James, you broke up. I didn't hear what you said. Yeah, James, your connection's not great tonight. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, it, hound archons are missing. Ah, uh, I see. Are there, yeah. ar- are there archons at, at all? Uh, no. No, there's not. A lot of angels, but no archons. Yeah, and on a similar sort of note, um, to go to the other scale, I was really happy to see the return of Yugoloths because they're like my favorite. More than demons or devils, I love Yugoloths. Um, but they're missing one of the iconic Yugoloths, uh, the, the Canaloth, the big dog thing with the big spiked tongue that hangs out and, and wraps around people. <laughs> There's no Lamassu either. Oh, you're right. You're right. I oh was, yeah. I, I was trying to think. I'm like, yeah, there is. No, it's no, hard. no. Wait, that's it's the Lamia. Kind of remember like what ought to be in here, you know? <laughs> well, and that's why I asked the question, right? Because all <laughs> well, of us are going to notice something ought different. Ought to be. I mean, ought to be. Well, is ought to be. Yeah. But, yeah. But that, like clear things that are missing. It's so it's hard when there's this many monsters to to mm-hmm. you know you'd have to go get lists and. Compare. Well, but now all the Watsi guys who are listening can take notes and catch, oh, yeah, we should do that, that, that for the next monster manual. Yeah. So I have to say, Orcus is staring at me right now. Yeah. 
Oh, man. <laughs> right. So that was one thing. And I think Mike Merles actually said it was one thing he was disappointed they couldn't quite squeeze in. And that's where your 15 pages of dragons should have gone. Mm. Or that and more <laughs> But at least one or two demon princes or arch devils. Yeah. You know, like, so they spent a lot of time talking about, I mean, like they, they detailed them, right? In, in some level of detail, it's pretty, pretty thorough. Yeah. Uh, but then we have no stats on them. So, right. But I think, right. I think that's one of the things, like, I suspect what will happen is, or what the plan is, is that as they develop storylines, you know, like the, right now the Tyranny of Dragons, so we're getting, you know, we'll have Tiamat or whatever in the, ne- in the next adventure, I suspect, right? And then we'll have those stat blocks. Uh, eventually we'll have one that deals heavily with the devils or demons or whatever, and then we'll get some of those, you know, we'll get, yeah. we'll get all that then. And the other side is, like, and this was certainly true with the original Monster Manual, or the original, the, the fourth edition Monster Manual. <laughs> And I'm, I don't think it's quite as true with this one. At least it, it's not as clearly apparent as it was back then that the design of monsters changes as we all get more used to the addition. So it'd be kind of nice that they do work us after they figured out whether or not this true. legendary stuff works right. And so they don't have to have you come along to fix it. Yeah, yeah right, because that was the big problem with Orcus in 4E is they put him in the book and he sucked. <laughs> so I'd rather I'd rather they take their time and figure out how to do those big epic guys. Well, he seemed really good until we knew better. Uh, I, you know, I think his damage is always low. Like, I, I looked at it right away and was like, wait a minute. He does, like, 12 damage. Though, I will say, the Tarasque is quite powerful. Um, <laughs> well, what would you know about it? <laughs> uh, I was almost destroyed by him. <laughs> All you need is a druid, right? <laughs> almost. Almost destroyed. It's the Tarasque. If he's not utterly destroying you, then, then he's a wuss. Well, 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 he got to teleport away. Oh. The 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 I haven't um, I haven't listened to the Tarrasque take the softy yet, so. DM gave them an out. <laughs> yeah, all we had to do was sacrifice one fourth of the entire multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We only just a quarter of the worlds and yeah, but in a one shot, that kind of thing doesn't matter, right? Like. <laughs> Yeah, but in a one in a one shot, you... three hours of time fighting one monster. Yeah. <laughs> that's what does matter, and that's why I did it early. Like, let's try beholders. <laughs> Anything else missing? Not no. That I... Yeah. All right. You could, you could argue that um, random random tables for random monster stuff, but I think I'm sure that's going to be in the DMG. Yeah, well, I might be cut off the DMG. DMG anyway, so I'm not sure that's really. I didn't they mention uh, random encounter tables somewhere in the in the little introductory pages where they talked about different stuff? I swear they did. Um, because it basically says, you know, if you if you don't know how to build encounters, you know, here's a couple little tips, but you really should look at the Dungeon Master's Guide. Yeah, there were a few spots where they kind of laid some groundwork but and, mm-hmm. and then sort of left themselves room to figure it out later. Yeah. You know, um, they did the same thing with psionics, right? They sort of have an entry in the introduction on special traits and psionics. It's like, uh, psionics are just magic, you know, for now, until we do something else with it. <laughs> you know? But they're but they're it's poignant that they're taking the time to actually label something as psionics and not just you know magic. That, See here's here's what it says on it. on page four it says guidelines for creating encounters with monsters can be found in the dungeon master's guide. That yeah. book also contains wandering monster tables and other goodies to oh, help you go. use the monsters in this book in interesting right. ways, right. as well as advice for modifying them to create your own. Uh, so they purposefully mentioned it and said, well, that's going to be in the DMG. Yeah, right, right. Which is interesting for them to say because the DMG wasn't done yet. I, ho- uh, I hope they didn't decide to take that out. Well, <laughs> I, well, I seriously I doubt mean, Yeah. <laughs> well, not now. <laughs> it makes a certain sort of sort of twisted sense to have it that way because that's going to be where all the advice for building encounters and creating right. stories and all well, that and, kind of stuff and is going to be. It makes a lot of sense as well because, I mean, that's where you start getting into it's, you know – it's it's more a, a, a function of your environment about what how random encounters work than it is what's in, what monsters right. are in the, in the monster manual. So, well, that was going to be one of my things that I when we got to what do you wish was really in the book, it was going to be like the list of monsters by um, by environment or oh, yeah. by there's no bio. there's no environment entry on it, is there? There there isn't any. There used yeah. to be back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another Which, thing you know, 
the thing is that they give really good descriptions of a lot of different things, and a lot of them will mention, like, oh, these are forest creatures, whatever. But to not have it in the entry kind of makes me have to read the whole background to get it. Yeah, you know, bit. it's not right at my fingertips. So, And there's no table. There there should be an index that lists them. By, but anyway. Yeah, but there's, so. a, there's actually a few spots where they've done that. Uh, every now and then, like, if you run into a construct or an undead, the, mm-hmm. it's not listed in the stat block. But if you look back at the background, it's like, oh, by the way, these things have these undead traits or whatever. That means they don't have to eat or right. sleep or, or breathe or whatever. And that, that may have a mechanical effect. I, uh, I'm with Sam about the table. I wish there was a Monsters by Challenge rating in the book. Um, what do you mean? There's one in mine. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ha-ha! <laughs> Where could you get that, Mike Shea? Critical Hits. Google Critical Hits Monster Manual. You can download it right from there. there but there's a, there's a bunch, actually. Yeah, yeah, but that one fits right into your book. Yeah, but mine, mine was specifically designed so that you could tape it in the back of the book. Which there is you go. <laughs> um, and the other thing that I think is really strange is when you get to the miscellaneous section, which is like all the stuff that we can turn into, um, they're, they're listed completely alphabetically. So, like, giant shark is different than hunter shark, which is different than reef shark. Oh, yeah, and you have to flip all through the book to find them, which is a little annoying. Yeah. They're usually better about that kind of stuff. That's too bad. But that's, like, I feel like we're splitting hairs. Oh, uh, we absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is very nitpicky. So, we, we talked about our favorites. We talked about what's missing. Um, should we talk about what's changed? Uh, for example... There's a couple of creatures that look completely different than they ever have before. Mm-hmm. Like the Abeleth and the Kraken. The Carrion Crawler. The Carrion Crawler also? And the Blink Dog. Blink Dog's way in the back on page 319. It's supposed to be this... Yeah, I, I mean, it just... I mean, it's always looked kind of dog-like because, of course, it's a dog. But it just looks so vicious. Mm. And I don't. I don't ever. I have never thought of blink dogs as these really vicious creatures. Yeah, I've never. I mean, I guess I, don't, I haven't thought of them that way. But that's not so far off of what I have thought of that it bothers me. But the Abeleth and the Kraken to me really stood out as, as dramatically different than any than yeah. the way they've been depicted before. I'm looking the at the Kraken. Car- yeah, the, the Kraken. I didn't right like. Yeah. Do you like the the new Kraken? No, I don't like you the don't new like. Kraken. I like the text and what it says about it. I don't like the art. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see a giant squid, man. Right. Well, then you can play an Abeleth because they're more squid-like now. <laughs> they used to be. They used to be. They used to be yeah. fish with tentacles. Now they're more like squirmy squid things. <laughs> Tadpoles. I really like the dragon turtle too. I think they did a, did a good job. With yeah. that. I'm trying to pick yeah. as many mundane creatures that Jeff won't like to say how much I like them. I like the dragon turtle. Uh, whatever. I hate I, when druids become one. <laughs> I'm not well, against was... I'm not against mundane creatures. I'm just not a fan of Mykonids. <laughs> I feel like the, I have to go through and and tally up the number of uh, bare-chested male uh, humanoids in here. Yeah, because there's a lot of them. Well, the majority of them are bare-chested. You yes. know, it's a it's a fantasy world, and clothing is hard to come by. Uh, for the Grimlock. I think we should um, create a world wherein there is an economic explanation as to you know the the lack of cotton and furs in the world, and and that becomes a major story point, and and thus everybody runs around scantily clad. Yeah, kind of wish the Grimlock was wearing a shirt, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> he's not. He's not the only one. No body shaming. Sorry, sorry Grimlocks. <laughs> All right. Anything else that's changed? Should we get into I mean there's there's a lot of little things that they have slight, you know, they've not not in terms of art but just in terms of story where they've, you know, they've shifted to somewhere in between sort of the classic, you know, description, you know, from the sort of uh, from AD&D first and second edition. And there was some major changes in fourth edition. They kind of shifted sometimes to back to like the middle of those, um, but they're more subtle. And you'd have to like you know you probably wouldn't notice unless you really have used that creature before. And you know some of them are very subtle. So. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. And, 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 but I, at the same time, I wasn't surprised because I knew we saw some of that coming out through like the Wandering mm-hmm. Monster articles and stuff ahead right. of time. You know, hey, we're making this tweak or we're adding this little bit of story. The Arakra mm-hmm. now has this air elemental element, you know, thing going on and, and they're connected to, to gargoyles as enemies or, you know, um, they've added some of these little story bits, which I think um, only add to the cool stories I can tell with my creatures, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Anything else that we want to talk about that's changed or missing? I have a question then. Uh, is there anything new? Is there anything like? Yeah, sure. Legendary actions and legendary okay. lair, lair actions. Yes, but in terms of creatures, like in in the past, they've they've sort of highlighted the new addition by saying, "Here's a new creature you've never seen before, or, or was buried way deep in the last edition, or whatever that we want to bring to the forefront and make it sort of you know an iconic thing for this edition." Uh, no, there- but but it says in the intro that the monsters in this book have been cold from all previous editions of the game. It mm-hmm. never yeah. says that there's anything new. No. And I think, and I think that's actually sort of the theme of the whole edition, mm-hmm. right? That the edition doesn't generally—it's got a few new things, but a lot of it, and a lot of the the, the, the folks that have kind of returned, uh, are returning because it feels a lot more familiar and isn't quite so radical. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I absolutely agree, and I don't know that it's a bad thing. I was just curious. I'm, I I couldn't find anything myself that I think was that I thought was new. That it was all pulled from things that appeared in other in other editions and, and you know whatever so yeah no i myself did not see nothing jumped out at me as yeah. and every now and then i'll flip through and say hey that that's a that's a foray monster because you know I, it, <laughs> it, it it stands out a little bit or that feels very too in me or whatever you know i can feel um sort of by, by my experience and 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 part of that's tricky too because i'm sure i'm wrong you know um the blights feel very foray to me but i'm pretty sure they were introduced in three you know. Yeah. Well, and I think right. It's also indicative of of what we saw in the player's handbook. You didn't see any new races or classes, but maybe some of the mechanics around them were new. You know. Right. And I, I think Spells that's what you're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, good and bad. I think that I'm down to those questions. What's good and bad that we haven't talked about yet? Um, I think that it, uh, it it's a good product in terms of if you're a new DM and you want and, – and maybe you don't have a lot of experience with other editions or you have experience with other editions as a player, you know, reading through some of these entries will, will really spark your imagination and, and let you build some interesting encounters and interesting, you know, little adventures for your group. I think – they did a good job at that. I think, you know, as much as Jeff says there's, you know, in some places too much background or whatever, I think maybe in some of them there's a little bit more than is necessary for someone like me or Jeff. But I think the, for the most part, they hit the sweet spot for most of the entries mm-hmm. for newer for a newer DM. Yeah, and I can totally mm-hmm. look back at, at middle school Jeff and, and see myself, you know, during homework time in class mm-hmm. – Ignoring my homework and just flipping through this and reading monster you mean, and stuff. You mean when you were in detention, Jeff? I was never in detention. In study uh, hall, maybe. Uh, I was. <laughs> so uh, one of the things for me is that I love that there's artwork for pretty much every monster. Mm-hmm. Because I remember when I started out with 4E, I was running... Mm. Uh, like an adventure. I had no idea what any of these things looked like. There was no descriptions anywhere. All I had was the stat block. Yeah. So uh, it's really nice. And also when we were recently at a, a friend's wedding, um, one of the guys from a friend from college, he loves playing D&D and he, uh, he and my husband played together in college and he was talking to his wife about monsters and I happened to have it with me because I was prepping for this and I was able to just pull it out and start showing her pictures because she couldn't quite understand from the descriptions what any of it was supposed mm. to look like mm-hmm. and it, even even if they're different he could at least then say oh it was like that but in the old days it had this yeah. or something like that which is I thought really cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what I, else is a good a cool, oh sorry go ahead so I, I just one of the things I love about this is I I really feel like with this with the with these three books I'm sure the DMG is going to be great and and I you know I feel like it's a good complete book like I don't know 
I'm much happier with this because I don't feel like I need a Monster Manual 2 or a Monster Manual 3. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that I can run 5e games for many, many years with this book being the mm. primary book I use for monsters. Yeah, I'm not sure that I completely agree. I need, I need one, of, one of two things. I either need another book as awesome as this one, and then I think I'll have enough to sort of play for the rest of my life without getting bored. Um, or I need a compendium-style app like we had for 4th edition where all the adventures that come up with new things or whatever get added in there just because then I'll have all, the other, all those other NPCs and, and all that kind of stuff that help flesh out the gaps. Yeah, and you know? one, one of the things I like to do when I play is I, I like to just use the book at the table. I don't like to have a lot of other apps. I don't like to have a lot of other stuff. And it to me, I feel like if I just had this book on the table, I'm, I'm in a good spot. Like, I've been playing a lot of 13th Age, and I love 13th Age. And the core book has hmm. a pretty decent, robust set of monsters in the core book, but not a lot. And so that means I now have to have two books because they, they do have a 13th Age bestiary. And... Now I've got two books of, that I've got to go through to, to use monsters. Mm-hmm. So this one has so many in it. I feel like I can, you know, without without a lot of work and without a lot of prep, I can just grab this book and know that I've got a lot on hand. Yeah. Although part of the trick will be to see whether or not the, the stats hold up. And, and again, that's well, that, something yeah. we won't know for a long time. High-level play, so, we're not really going to know for yeah, a while. I, so one of, the, one of the other things that they do really good in this book that's interesting, and it's not for every single creature, but for lots of them, they have these little, like, pieces of parchment where they... It, somewhere in the entry, sometimes it's bef- you know right under the picture. Sometimes it's like after the description or whatever. They have a little saying or a little you know a bit of history or whatever, mm-hmm. and it says something about it, and it actually adds a lot of flavor to it. Like mm-hmm. the one for the one under goblins is a note from Stallman Klim, the slave lord. Mm. He says, "If you want soldiers or thugs, hire hobgoblins. If you want someone clubbed to death in their sleep, hire bugbears. If you want mean little fools, hire goblins." And then sometimes it's like a, an account of, you know, from an adventure of, you know, one of their comrades being devoured by something like the, the entry for Grell is about, you know, a rogue being killed. And, you know, it's kind of interesting the way because, uh, you know, aside from the the background text, which is written kind of like here, we're imparting this information to you as a, like textbook style. This is like, oh, but here's this little bit of history that you could, you know throw onto the table when when a player wants to know what do i know about this you can say well you heard from so and so uh you know that this this creature uses that kind of attack or you know um and i find that really interesting Mm -hmm. Uh, but to speak to your your um thing that you were just saying about needing other books i think what we might end up seeing are um maybe setting specific creature catalogs um which could which could use the setting, you know, the, the tropes of whatever setting it is as sort of to help it describe the different creatures and to really flesh out some different creatures for particular settings. As, I think, long, as long as it's a creature catalog and not a, right. a section of a setting book. I don't, that, I don't want to go flipping right. through my setting book in order to find more monsters. Yes. Right, and that's, what I, that's why I specifically said creature catalog, yeah. not, not, not campaign guy. Yeah, but I don't know that... That's well, necessarily I don't what we get. So yeah, that's what I'm saying is that if if we had something like that, that might solve the problem yeah. that you're t- that you're talking about. Or we can just have a compendium style app where I can look up all the monsters for the books that I bought or whatever. That'd be fine too. But you you might end up having that anyway with with Dungeonscape. We might. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but but Dungeonscape uh, in its current form is not something that that I can talk much about at this point. So right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. And that also would require you to purchase the Monster Manual again. Again. Well, yeah. you got yours for free in first. That's place. true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tracy. What were you going to say? <laughs> oh no, I was just going to say one of the things my friend uh, did point out. Um, he really wishes he could get these in digital format because he's dyslexic, mm. and particularly with the um, glossy pages and something about clay-based uh, processing, mm. uh, it's harder for him to read. Mm. So uh, he asked me to like just point that out because mm-hmm. it's important. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And uh, I also want to point out we were talking about this earlier, and somebody on Twitter pointed out, uh, Mister Happy, pointed out that uh, on Twitter um, the the dragons uh, spell casting is a very not baked in. Uh, and and uh, as Mike Shea said, why wouldn't you use that variant with dragons? Dragons cast those. Well, maybe you maybe you have a setting where dragons are 
direct descendants of non-magical reptiles and it's a new thing for dragons to be magical so only a few of them are or maybe you have a situation where um you don't want most dragons to be magical but you want only the sort of older ancient ones or or the great worms depending on whether you're jeff griner or everybody else <laughs> uh, to be um you know what i mean like it, it be, sure, making it yeah. a variant get makes it explicit that it's a choice and that, that way it also makes it so your players will never know whether that dragon that they ran into can cast magical spells. Although I'll have to say, a world where dragons don't innately cast spells have an entire class of, or build of, what is it, sorcerer that suddenly doesn't make sense. You know, the whole idea that I'm a sorcerer and I get my, my magic because I have, I'm descended from the dragons. Well, if the dragons, dragons aren't innately magical, yeah, then... That's pretty, that's pretty well, cool. Well, yeah, that is kind of weird, but... Yeah. Well, I'm just know, saying, they're... making it making it a variant makes it makes it optional. So it kind of gives the idea that some things can be optional. For sure, sure, sure. Yeah, and and I like the rule for dragons as spellcasters because it's a pretty straightforward, easy rule to put in place. You know, mm-hmm. the dragons one third the dragons challenge rating rounded down is the highest spell level, uh, and it can cast uh, I think a number of spells equal to that same amount. So, oh. you know, the, the Ancient Red, for example, can cast 8th-level spells and can cast up to 8 spells. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a nice, simple yeah. nice simple rule. Uh, and it's interesting they did that, and, and it makes sense because it's a variant and because it's applying to dragons, and it has to apply to a, to a wide variety of dragons. And if they'd added a little blurb in like that for every single dragon, it would have taken a lot more space, and it was already giving up a lot of space. Uh, but it's interesting because they don't do that system for any other spellcasting creature. Anytime another creature has spellcasting abilities, it says... Here are the spells they can cast, right. and this is how many times they can cast at this level or cast that spell. And then in the intro, they sort of talk about how, hey, there are some spellcasting monsters in there, and if you want to customize them a little bit, a really easy way to do that is to just swap out the spells that are there. Right. Um, right. You know, dragons necessitate the swapping <laughs> because yeah, you, they, don't, you they, don't have a base. Yeah, they tended to build the spellcasting monsters very similar to a spellcasting PC, which was the old, the old style in yeah. first through third. And the dragons, they just throw that out the window. Yeah, and say here they have a whole different way that they cast spells, which works fine because what do you care? You know, at the table, yeah, you just oh, want yeah. it to work work easily. Yeah, well, and similarly with templates, uh, it seems like templates are a lot less complex than they were. You know, the half dragon template, the uh, for lycanthropes and that sort of thing. It's just like, hey, slap these abilities on and boost these scores, and you're good to go. Yeah, although right. I. I had a few spots where they did that, and I had a hard time finding. And, I, and you're going to ask me where, and I don't remember now. Um, but I had a f- hard time finding. Like, okay, so so I've added these abilities. How does that change the 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 challenge rating or the level of the monster? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I wonder if we'll see more in the the Dungeon Master's yeah. Guide about that. And speaking know? and speaking of templates, Shadow Dragon. I don't remember that being a template before. That I think that's a new way of handling that. I think yeah. Shadow Dragon used to be it its own a, independent it thing. It was its own thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Usually in Monster Annual 3 or something like that. They're running, <laughs> out, of, running <laughs> out of ideas. Dragonomicon um, 4. So one thing I thought was interesting, I, and maybe I missed it when I was reading it, but they have a Dracolich template, but I don't think it adds to its CR. All right, that's what I'm saying, is that there's some, some of those like that. that that's like, I feel like some of those make it harder. Yeah, <laughs> but which, does, I, which I love because screw it. But it doesn't make. But it doesn't add to the. Yeah, it doesn't add to the challenge at all. Right. My guess is it's like add one. So I don't know if that was a something they missed or if they're intended not to change the level. No, I I read somewhere that. Give me a second. Keep talking. No, we will keep talking. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go back to the blurbs that that Mike. Uh, that I'm uh, not Mike. Uh, Sam was talking about earlier. Um, all the little flavor blurbs that are in there. Um, they did something similar with the player's handbook, but almost all of them were Forgotten Realms references. Uh, whereas these, um, as the realms guy, I checked because they did bring up the realms on several occasions or, or examples from the realms of specific kinds of creatures like the, the orc. You know, they, br- they bring up the, you know, the most famous orc chief ever was King Obold, and here's a little story about him or whatever. But the blurbs, completely, so far as I can tell, setting neutral. No, there's a couple that are not setting neutral. Are there some? I, I well, there's the one them. for the Grick is a guy from Kyber, and Kyber's in That's Eberron. Eberron. Okay, and just, there's one it. from something in the Lost Caverns of Sojkanth. I think it must be the Bayhir or something. And Sojkanth is and that's in uh, Greyhawk. originally Greyhawk, yeah. yeah. But Sojkanth has been so. relocated like so many of those classic adventures that 
It, it, it almost becomes sitting neutral, right? Bite your tongue, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> there, I've bitten it. Yeah, all right. Now, did that give you time to find what you wanted? Uh, yeah, it just, I, I didn't find what I thought I wanted. Uh, it just says to, uh, that challenge ratings and how to adjust monsters and stuff will be in the DMG again. Okay, yeah. So. yeah. Which is more about just how to, how to customize them a little bit. I yeah, the uh, the the bay here entry is is the Lud the bay here confronting adventurers in the lost caverns of Sojkanth tells them, "Look, I've already eaten three giant bats, six troglodytes, and a mind flayer today. That's okay, though. Plenty of room in my belly for you and your friends." Which, which is weird because <laughs> I would have never imagined having a conversation with a bay here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, right? So if then if you look at the intelligence, it's a seven. Yeah. So which I mean, capable, it's not which is capable of speech, but not yeah. real bright. Well, you know, maybe that one was a particularly smart one. Who yeah. knows? I mean, because there are some other creatures that you wouldn't necessarily have a conversation with that yeah. have similar intelligences. You know. Anything else? I've got two more things to talk about, but I don't want to hog the spotlight. Uh, I guess we can always talk about the disclaimer that's been mentioned a million times online. That's pretty funny. They've done the that in all the books so far. Yeah. yeah. Or a, dis- um, a different disclaimer in every book. Yeah. And also, uh, I'm going to continue my campaign and the back cover being half glossy, half bat. Yeah. What's with that? I don't like it. Still, it. I think I'm starting to get a little used to it, but it still bothers me. Every time I grab it, I pick up my book, I feel like there's something on the back, and oh, nope, that's just the way it's made. Yeah, but like I said, it, during the game, I actually liked it. I didn't like it either at first, but when I was actually running... Uh, picking up the PHB and having that little grippy area was was actually nice. It grew on me. And this one doesn't have it, right? No, it does. This one does, yeah. It's got it's the back of the cover is half matte and half glossy. Is it really? Yep. Mine's all glossy. What? I'm I'm telling you, I'm looking at mine right now, and it's all glossy. I've got two copies, and mine, both of mine are the same way. I really wonder if I got like a different version. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I might have. I might have to buy one and find out. Because there's there's some oddities in the physical design on mine, and mm-hmm. I and I think it's because I might have gotten an early print run. Uh, yeah. uh, and one of them is my. I have a full glossy book, and some of my print the the print quality is not great on some of the entries because the stat block area, like the main stat block area, which has it's sort of a dark red color, uh, has a very subtle drop shadow, but in some cases the drop shadow was much more pronounced and it makes it harder to read. And also Ours my, bi- my binding seems really tight. A beige color in back. Your stat blocks are red? The, the, the text color. Oh, I see. So the text color is a real dark, dark red. But like if, yeah, you, yeah. if you look at my Kraken, uh, the Kraken entry, it actually looks fuzzy. Hmm. Yeah, mine um, doesn't. Because the print did, quality. Did you get yours at Gen Con? I did. Yeah. So maybe maybe you ended up getting one of the Watsi guys early. That's what I'm wondering. Copies or something. Yeah. Right. I've you you accidentally ended up with Rodney Thompson's original <laughs> Monster Manual. You know? Well, he didn't sign it. <laughs> that jerk. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Very cool. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, monster complaint or or formatting complaint? What do you want to hear first? I, th- I think the Mind Flayer entry is woefully inadequate. Mind Flayers are wicked cool, and there's one little weak Mind Flayer in here. I mean, weak. CR. Can I, can I pause it a reason why? Sure, because they're going to do something more with it later. Because they're going to do something more with Psionics later when they get to a storyline. Yeah, I know. I figured. But at the same time, it's kind of... Weak, weak sauce, mind flare. Especially since you know you got the, the Gith in there who have a storyline, which are huge and have a storyline completely based on mind flares. And then you turn to the mind flare, it's like, uh, you mean that thing? It's still two right. pages. It's not like a tiny little thing. What? It's got variants. It's got it, the mind flare arcanist. It has one variant uh, rule where you can make them spellcasters too. Right. Yeah. So I found the mind flare entry kind of um, not as awesome. Oh, and then my other thing is, is more of a formatting thing. Um, I still prefer the 4E style stat block um, because it was really easy to find what I needed very, very quickly because of the, the multi, you know, how each row changed colors uh, and that kind of stuff. 
um, that little bit of differentiation made it much easier for me to figure out what I was looking for and when, you know, uh, I have a hard time now with the fifth edition ones figuring out, okay, well, these are the traits. These are the, um, what the things I should be doing, but sometimes there's, you know, it's just a little hard to, to differentiate at the blink of a, you know, of a glance. Mm-hmm. Sure. A blink of a glance is that a thing? <laughs> I don't. I don't have that problem. I don't find them that difficult. I think just using them, you'll get used to it. Some it, of it's, it's still well laid out. Some but, of it's that, but there's some. I mean, I spend a little more time just looking around. You know, it, it's, yeah. right now it's an extra three or four seconds to find the part that I'm looking for, or whatever, and and yeah. that adds up, and it's a distraction, and and I wish it wasn't yeah. there, and I, and I'll get used to it, and I'll find it, and that's fine. But I feel like it's, I picked up the fourth edition stat blocks like that because they were just yeah. so easy to figure out what you're looking for. Yeah, the, and um, Corey the, had all the spell effects written out, whereas here you'll have to go to another book. Go find your spells. Right. The um, the the formatting thing that I like is that uh, there's one that I like and one that I dislike. The, it, the one I like is that at the bottom of each – or about three-quarters of an inch above the bottom of each page, there's the letter of yeah. that section. I was going to say but that. The, You're right. Yeah. That is awesome. The thing I don't like is that the name of the creature on that page is also down there, but it's so light I can barely read it, and the number of the page is so light I can barely read it at you know if I hold it very yeah. well. Face. Yeah. I never so, noticed either of those. That's really cool. Yeah. I like that Dwargar don't have beard quills anymore. Yeah, well, that was a four-y-only <laughs> thing, right? I'm glad that's over. Mm-hmm. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God that's over. I like Duergar. I like I like him fine, but I don't like him with with red spiky quills randomly coming out of their <laughs> beards for no reason that we can tell. Yeah, that's pretty dumb. Well, I don't I don't like the look of it, but I like the effect of it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy, everybody I'm laughed, old, man. I'm, Every I'm time happy. they fought Duergar, they laughed at the beard quills. Yeah, I'm I'm happy for the old school Duergar to be back. All right, well, I'm out of uh, things to talk about. Anybody else got anything they want to share? I love it. I really, really, really love this book. Yeah, yeah, it's my favorite monster manual ever. Yeah, mine too. Right on, Sam. Last thoughts? Um, I think they did a really good job. I I haven't really used it in play yet because I haven't had a session since I got it, so I don't I don't know. But um, I think they did they did a bang up job. I think it matches well with the with the player's handbook. I think. Uh, regardless of some of the differing styles of art that are used for some of the entries, um, I think that it it's going to make for a nice core set of books. I'm presuming that the DMG will be of the su- superior quality, just like these two are. So, okay, Tracy, art. I like the art. <laughs> I like that there's pictures. I like pictures. Right on. And story. Cool. All right. Well, I think everybody should go out and buy two. I think I'm going to buy another because now, now I found out mine's weird. <laughs> That's a collector's item. That's what you call it. I know. That. That, I know, but I, that means I want to put it away in a plastic bag for 10, 100 years. <laughs> if only we knew someone who had an extra cup. Yeah, if right. So do both, That's Yeah, Griner, do both your copies have the mat back? Yeah, I think so. It's so weird. I mean, I've really only been one, so I, I, I do not to not to keep harping on this when we're about done. But do do gears feel like they're full? Like the binding is stretching out because they packed in so many extra pages? Mm, I don't know. I mean, as I as I have my my book sitting you know sitting in my hand in front of me, I notice that even uh, like it feels like it bulges and, and the cover doesn't quite close unless yeah, I, okay. unless I put okay. pressure on it. You know, right? And that's good. They I you know they added a big pile of new pages. Yeah, I don't feel like that. Mine feels sized correctly. Okay. Mine feels bulge. Yeah, bulge. So Sam got the latest print run, and and they've fixed the binding. Mm-hmm. Mine came or from that Amazon, Amazon packaging. That the Amazon packaging actually fixed it, Sam. Yeah, right. <laughs> How does it smell? I mean, um, you know, it smells. Uh, no, that's a valid question. Because we I, talked I about that in the past. I complained not, about it's the not PHP. A valid question. No, it is. It really is. Not valid. Look, if your book smelled like moldy farts, would you ever want to look at it? As long as the monster stats are good. No. I could see Mike DMing with a gas mask on. Hold on, let me check the monster stat block. Oh my god, they should do the scratch and sniff monsters as the new way of doing monsters. (laughs) 
See, I always, I always I'm sorry, get... Watsy, you you put too much ogre butt smell on my. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it smell because it's like 300 monster stats. You know, yeah, that would be a mess. <laughs> the um to actually answer the question, the ink is not as as strongly smelling on this one, so it smells okay. Um, it still has a little tiny tiny amount of that smell, but not not near what the PHB still has. So yeah, I wonder if it has to do with the glossier pages then. Yeah, I don't know. It must be. It, it's it's got to be something about that. Something about the, how they have to mix the ink and apply it to the page, or I don't I don't know. It's just very. It stinks because you know, Horde of the Dragon Queen was regular black and white pages, smelt fine. Yeah, um, it wasn't not, black and white. It was color. Yeah, it was well, color. but it was. It, uh, sorry, you're right. It wasn't black and white, matte. but it was the matte. it was the matte pages. It wasn't right. glossy. Yep. No, that's true. And and actually, that was one of the things that was a little disappointing because I got so used to these. You know, five E products being all glossy, but it's totally not necessary for an adventure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're not, yeah. re- and we're not reviewing that book. So. <laughs> no, we're not. So we already did that, and it's already been released. It so was, go listen yeah. to that if you didn't. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, it's going to be a little while before we release again. I suspect after this, because the DMG and the what is it? Uh, not Horde, but um, Tiamat. T- Rise of Tiamat. Uh, have both been pushed back. Um, they decided that they would rather delay it a couple weeks and make sure they did it did it right than get rush it and get it out on time. And I I think ultimately that's a that's an okay decision. But that does mean that we're probably not going to be looking at that until close to when my semester is over. So maybe I'll have time to really dig into it. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, with all of that said, I'm going to say this is the end of the episode. I want to thank. Mm-hmm. Sam Dillon. Thanks, Sam. Sam. You're welcome. Over at RPGmusings.com, the website I never forget. (laughs) Run by James Dillon. (laughs) Run by James Dillon. (laughs) (laughs) What did I... I did the same thing once way back in the day with uh, um, um, Matt Matt James. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You called him Mike. Mike 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 James. James. So that became a thing. Uh, Speaking of Mike's, I also want to thank Mike Shea. Thank you. Over at the Sly Flourishes. The Sly Flourishes. Yep. It's been great. Slyflourish.com. And yep. occasionally, apparently, dropping knowledge over at Critical-Hits, huh? Yeah, every so often. Right on. And also, that other guy, you know, Jimmy. Woo! <laughs> James Intricato! Sam Intricato. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you can find me over at worldbuilderblog.me, and this whole month of October, I am making 5e monsters, so if you want more, go check them out. They're free. You're making Ian World, uh, featured 5e monsters, as I understand it. Yeah, yeah, apparently, if you reskin a Kraken, you can make the front page of Ian World, <laughs> all right on. And I also want to thank all of you guys listening out there for supporting the show by shopping over at our affiliate links. When you use Amazon or D&D Classics, you can find links to those over at thetomeshow.com. And you can contact us at thetomeshow at gmail.com or on our biz line. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E, 919-BIZ-TOME. Uh, you can find show notes for the show and other great Tome Show shows at thetomeshow.com. And that is episode 243, where we fought a panoply of purple worms found in the Monster Manual, as we discussed in this episode of... I'm off the wall.